Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology consulting and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the third episode of the Mac Moment of the Get Found, Get Funded Network. This is a podcast where I speak to athletes, celebrities, and influencers about entrepreneurship, tech, and startup investing. Today, our guest is Kimball Rozier, a decorated professional rugby player and entrepreneur who loves sharing her knowledge through coaching and writing. Kimber began, began playing rugby when she was 18 at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. There, she was a collegiate All-American in the years 2010 and 2011, making her debut with the Women's Eagle Sevens at, Dubai, at the Dubai Sevens in 2011. Also, a standout in the 15s, Rosier earned her first cup with the Women's Eagles in 2012 and has since gone on to compete in three Rugby World Cups winning a bronze medal in her first World Cup appearance in the Rugby World Cup Sevens in 2013. Rosier also moved on to appear in the Rugby World Cups in 2014-2017 as part of the 15s. Kimber launched their performance in 2018 as the cornerstone of her career, blending the mindset of elite athletics with the, with the pressure most face in daily life as an author a former assistant coach at Harvard, and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified specialist. Her work helps clients and readers dare to face lifestyle changes through the lens of imagination, grit, reflection, and, and adaptation. And a fun fact about Kimber that I'm sure many of her fans already know, not only is she a world-class athlete, she is also an amazing singer. Kimber. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Mac. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, as someone who is an international athlete who has competed at the highest level and is a coach and, a, and also a strength and conditioning expert, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Yeah, so um, for me, entrepreneurship really kind of started from growing my own branding as an athlete. So I think, you know, a lot of uh, athletes build their own brand outside of, you know, what they have on the field, whether it's through uh, interaction with fans, social media, or whatever. So um, especially as a part of kind of a lesser-known sport uh, in rugby, um, we're just, you know, starting to get agents and outside marketing representations. So when I started, it was very much create your own, uh, create your own path, um, and a large push to get investors not only 
in yourself, but the sport at large. Um, so that combined with working um, as a coach um, off the field and developing relationships with athletes and non-athletes, um, I really noticed that, you know, everybody kind of shares the same problems of uh, going through trials and errors in life, but non-athletes don't necessarily have the opportunity to test themselves on a regular basis, um, most people at least, but then that kind of found me delving into entrepreneurship, which I find is very similar to elite athletics um, in that, you know, as a, as a startup or as, you know, a sole proprietor business owner, you set your game plan um, and kind of have, you know, a business plan, but from there it's very fast-paced, high-risk, high-reward, um, and you learn the value of trial and error and failing fast, and I think that that uh, pattern of being able to, you know, like going into a game, testing yourself against competition, and either coming out successful or failing, and then, you know, going back to the drawing board and starting again, uh, that's really what entrepreneurship means to me, and that's why I love it, because especially at the highest levels of athletics, you know, the difference between success and failure is marginal to less than one percent and the people who put in kind of the day-to-day -day work to improve their performance under pressure that ends up succeeding and I found that very similar to entrepreneurship in that it requires a similar dedication but also risk-taking reassessment and then building a community um, and learning from you know other experts in the field so that's what attracted me to entrepreneurship and that's I guess kind of what it means to me Okay, that's that's amazing because you know, as a entrepreneur and now investor myself, I see startups go through a lot of the things you're talking about, right? Like very few startups actually ever make it to the end goal of being a billion dollar company or even a multi million dollar company, and it's usually the ones that have the grit and have the ability to work through all the adversity that make it there, right? And so. That, that kind of goes right in line, in line with what you were saying about, you know, being an athlete and all the hard work you have to put in. Um, but you mentioned something that, that struck me. You mentioned that your first kind of steps in entrepreneurship was managing your own brand as an athlete. You, that, that struck me because very recently, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, a professional basketball player, came out and said, I am a CEO of my own brand, um, as well as um, – the uh, player for the New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis. He said, I'm a CEO. And what he was talking about was his brand. Is that something unique that you see with professional athletes like yourself? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think you see that in lots of, you know, professional avenues, even if it's, you know, a social media influencer but or an actor or somebody who has kind of their own, who's in the spotlight um, more, than, more so than most people. Um, you know, I think, you know, kids and fans sort of look up to athletes as this beacon or idol of, of what they want to be. Um, and from that, you're, you're always kind of under fire to be, you know, like Katie said, your own CEO um, and running your own brand, even if it's not, you know, directly incorporated or something. So I don't think it's necessarily unique to athletes, but I think athletes do have a unique opportunity to kind of harness that. Um, and get, especially now nowadays where, you know, during social media and just the influx of being so, I guess, interpersonally connected with, you know, these celebrities or athletes, um, 
I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, athletes to create, you know, interaction and active integration with, with their fans and having people kind of like join, you know, their team or their company, you know, maybe they're not going public in, you know, the traditional business, you know, setting, but they can kind of take them, themselves, like their athlete personality into the public realm, you know, by building this brand and by being the CEO of their own company and by having those people who are invested in you, um, whether it's, you know, social investment or financial investment, uh, you know, play into that sort of, I guess, metaphoric company. Got it. And you mentioned the, the unique blend of how social media impacts that. For you as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, how important of a role does social media play for you in the way that you build your brand and go about building your company? Um, I mean, for me especially, I think it plays a pretty big role, um, given that that's kind of where I started from uh, with, you know, the athlete perspective. I think it's it's an endless, you know, both a double-edged sword, a great, can be a great thing and, and a terrible thing if you, uh, you know, depending on how you use it. But a large majority of kind of my business and where I'm focused at now is um, getting out in that social media or digital media, whether it's uh, writing or um, you know, something else um, to continue that brand into um, my business, you know, off the field and take kind of the same sort of model as, you know, being the CEO of your own company as an athlete into marketing, um, your performance, and sort of being able to build, you know, through social media, um, getting the word out about, you know, self-improvement and being able to, you know, put these elite athletic practices into, you know, non-athlete uh, lives. And so rather than like, you know, showing off my, my ball skills on social media, you know, I get to, you know, help interact with people that would be on my team or whatever um, and help them with life skills. Or rather than like, you know, doing some kind of like highlight video, I can help, you know, do like a article about how to, you know, treat yourself better with your health and fitness advice or whatever it is. So kind of my hope is that taking these sorts of, social media or digital media endeavors to build a similar connection and have that brand continue on um, in the way that, you know, athletic brands or athletes brands translate to ticket sales, you know, money could translate into, you know, financial investment or one-on-one -on -one consulting or, um, you know, conferences or whatever it is and it ends up being. Um, so that's kind of how I view leveraging that. I think it's a massive tool. Um, especially because it's, but outside of time, it's very little financial investment to get, use that, utilize that marketing. And I sort of already, I'm lucky enough to already have that platform. So um, it's pretty smooth transition. Got it. And that's, that's, that's interesting that for you, you know, athletes that are on professional teams, they look at, you know, their brands and their social media as a way to draw more fans in and get, and get present. But you equate to the exact same thing. Also, now you're looking for financial gains and growing your business. Um, and so I can see how that makes a very smooth transition along the way. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I'm very uh, a big proponent of kind of playing to my strengths at first, and then you know uh, having working on the weaknesses or you know the things I haven't necessarily been able to dive into yet uh, as I grow. So. Got it. And so 
that kind of goes right into my next question, which is, what are some of the advantages that you've seen running your business of being a, a professional athlete turned entrepreneur? Um, I mean, outside of what I just spoke on, you know, having that sort of <laughs> platform, uh, that's right. one advantage. You know, I can't claim my platform is as big as, you know, Kevin Durant or Lamar James <laughs> or anyone's, but I mean, I would love it to be, but, um, you know, that's one advantage. And then the other is, uh, what you sort of mentioned at the beginning with, you know, the, the people who sort of, or it's a difficult thing to get into, right? Like most of them don't ever make it to the billion dollar uh, stage and a lot of them do fail and a, a lot of startups do, you know, go through ups and downs. And, um, you know, I myself didn't start as a rugby player. I didn't find it until um, college. And I grew up, you know, loving soccer and basketball and wanted to be a professional soccer player uh, as a kid, and, you know, as a lot of kids do. And that's the dream. And I really wanted it. And obviously that sort of went by the wayside. But to be able to... <clears throat> even at a young age to be able to sort of have that failure, come back, find another sport. And then again, I was at the Olympic training center and kind of a different code of the sport ended up getting cut from that team. And then again, having to regroup and find that again to go to a world cup in, in 15s. And I just think that's such a massive advantage for me, just having that experience and knowing the, that I can get through that, um, that, you know, has really been, a major motivator for me and you know because it's not easy and that's part of what my I guess my business is kind of the core tenets of it is to have a dream and then apply it and you know see how it goes um success or fail you know reflect go back go to the drawing board do it again and then repeat the process until you know you get where you want and it may be kind of a windy path but um you know the path of success is never linear and I think being an athlete and being literally tackled to the ground and getting back up is had its uh, massive advantages kind of from that standpoint. I can see that. And you mentioned something just now. You said you grew up playing basketball and soccer, but you ended up being a world-class rugby player. And you didn't start playing rugby until you got to college, which is interesting from a startup perspective because a lot of companies, they start off as one thing, and then they do this pivot. Like they did, they make this change where they find out there's something else that they should have been done, doing, or they, they get a key learning that tells them they should be trying something else. Um, what was it like for you to go through that change of being uh, going to college to play soccer and then transitioning to rugby, and and seeing how that works its way into your career as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't easy. I especially as you know, eighteen, nineteen years old. Um, nobody knows what they're doing with their life at that age, but, um, it definitely wasn't easy. It was, uh, for a while, you know, I couldn't even go to a soccer game without, you know, just wanting to leave because I, I missed it. It was something I loved and it was my, my whole life into it. Um, but I think staying open-minded and kind of pivoting to something similar, obviously not the same, um, helped that it was kind of in the same avenue and I had some, some of the similar skills. And then once I got into it and just, you know, trusted myself that I could, you know, continue doing it, whether I didn't know where it was going to go. I had no idea I was going to be on the national team. I just enjoyed playing. Um, but once I figured it out and, you know, sort of realized that was a path for me and did a lot of, you know, talking to my close family and community about where I really wanted to go and having this sort of 
central vision of, you know, being a professional athlete, um, not necessarily soccer, basketball, or whatever it, it may be, um, but having this, this one central goal and being able to sort of, again, pivot around it you know, through different facets of that same thing. Um, yeah, it was hard, but it uh, it worked out. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, something that I definitely learned from. And, um, you know, I think um, I recently read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, and she talks a lot about having higher order kind of, I don't know what her deck rating is, but sort of like a higher order goal of this one thing and then a bunch of like lower order secondary goals. And I knew I had that, that higher order vision of, you know, being this, you know, Olympian or World Cup athlete, um, and then just sort of had to pivot the lower goals a little bit and then, you know, change course. So um, it's definitely something that involved a lot of grit, but, um, you know, it's, I wouldn't change it for the world because it led me where I am. That is an amazing story. And, you know, just for the listeners out there, uh, what actually happened was while Kimber was at school, she had a traumatic injury that kept her out of soccer. But once she healed up, she was looking for an outlet, and she found the community within rugby. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's true. And that's and that's what led her down this path, which that's very similar to what happens to a lot of startups, where you go down one path and you hit a roadblock, another path opens up, and it's usually from some key learning or from um, some key advisors around you to help you get to where you're supposed to be. I, I love that story. Um, <laughs> But, you know, also given that you've also been a coach at, at Harvard, a top prestigious school and other universities, uh, you, you've gotten to shape not just the body, but also the minds of some top collegiate athletes. Do you ever share your entrepreneurial perspective with these athletes, or do they ever seek you out for advice? Oh, I mean, 100%. I think, um, obviously, a lot of coaching is on the field, but, um, you know, 90%, maybe 99% of their lives are spent off the field, you know, and especially at schools like, um, you know, Harvard and UNC and the Naval Academy that I have worked with, you know, you're getting these elite prestigious, you know, students who have worked very hard their whole lives and are used to being perfectionists and used to succeeding. And then when they encounter failure, it's, it's very difficult for it's difficult for anyone, but especially people who, you know, have been successful in, in their careers and having, you know, building relationships with those athletes really allowed me to share that perspective. And, you know, obviously their situation, every situation is unique, but I think we all as humans can kind of share that experience of disappointment and failure and trying to figure out where to go next um, and how to kind of navigate that. And I mean, I, I tried to be a sounding board for them and, and share my experience and help them kind of guide them through what they're going through individually. And, and that's, again, that experience with coaching, you know, these, these young adults is something that led me to kind of take it into the private sector um, with working with working with everyone, because I think all of us deal with that, whether it's, you know, entrepreneurs or, you know, people who have a nine to five job um, or, you know, people who are looking for work, we're all, you know, dealing with success, failure at some level and having to navigate uh, that pathway. So that's kind of what led me into this field and starting my own company and trying to engage with 
the broader community and you know bring that that practice of you know it's not always going to go as as planned but um, sometimes it will sometimes it won't but as long as you have kind of a, a sort of roadmap and things to lean on when when you know you, you fail and fall down um, and are able to pivot and be kind of have that mental agility uh, you know you'll you'll get going and you'll get on a path a different path and usually it ends up being the right one um, as long as you kind of stay open-minded and keep reflecting so that's that's what I've tried to do as, as a coach and um, both at universities and with uh, private clients so again it's I'm lucky to have had that experience myself um, and privileged enough to you know been able to carry on and, and work with other people on it so yeah it's definitely a big part of, of what I've done you sound like an amazing coach. You know, one day, if I'm lucky enough to have a daughter, I hope she gets a coach like you. <laughs> Thank you. Tell her to play rugby. I, I will. <laughs> uh, so uh, switching gears a little bit, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your writing. So uh, mm-hmm. I've noticed currently you're writing for uh, RealmFit, a sleep and recovery mm-hmm. tech company. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that relationship and what made you want to write articles for them? Um, yeah, so I've loved writing since I was a kid. Um, and I've always enjoyed, you know, kind of the written word. And I got approached uh, a while back um, to kind of write some, you know, side blogs and stuff for USA Rugby um, and a couple of, of friends. But um yeah, I sort of built that into part of my business with the marketing and stuff. And now I, I'll either reach out or, you know, companies will reach out to me within the health and wellness sector, such as RemFit, who, you know, they help with sleep and recovery. Um, and utilizing that sort of platform to educate people, um, both from my end on your health they can improve their own lives. I think sleep and recovery is a massive part of, you know, self-care and being able to perform. But um, also, you know, forming that partnership with other companies in the industry who are, you know, either startups or small businesses or whatever it is to be able to provide value to them as well and build a sort of community around this, this broader vision of, you know, improving one's life or, say performance or whatever it is you're you're going for, um, being able to, you know, kind of stay on top of your game and build a community because I, I really value, you know, kind of bouncing ideas off of people and I don't claim to be the smartest person in the room ever. You know, I think people um, within this kind of community that I'm trying to build, we can all learn and grow from each other. And that's what I try to do with, you know, blogging or working with other companies um, who I partner with is just kind of, all of us get together and share ideas and I'll help you, you help me sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think um, that's kind of how I got into that and I'm still, you know, utilizing that to my advantage and hope, hopefully providing value to those companies as well. Absolutely. And so building on that a little bit, when it comes to building these relationships or partnerships with other companies similar to RealmFit, what is it that you look for when you when you seek those out or when they seek you out? Does it have to be a company that aligns with your skills and knowledge set? Or are there other things that you look for before you start working 
with a partner or a company like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that tends to be the foundation is a sort of who I tend to work with now is people who are in that sector, whether it's, you know, tech to help improve lives or, um, you know, sports performance psychology company or, um, you know, compression wear supplement company, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there, though. So, you know, it's easy. You could just Google supplements and then get a ton of crazy stuff. So what I try to look for in whoever I work with is a just kind of a first first do no harm kind of value where you're not just trying to sell a product, right? You're not just trying to get things off the shelves or whether it's a service or a product you really want, you know, really care for people and care about if it's, you know, it's a nutritional thing, care about their bodies and that where it comes from and that it's third party certified and all those things. Um, or they're like a sleep company, you know, they're not just selling mattresses and, and pillows. They work, I work with them to write, you know, kind of blogs on how to, you know, recover after workouts or how to eat better on, you know, vacation or whatever it is. Um, those people that have a, a broader sort of investment in their customers um, rather mm -hmm. than just, you know, financial gain. I think that's really important to me. Um, if it's anything kind of outside of that, I guess, health, wellness, uh, performance sector, um, I'm pretty selective of who I work closely with, um, especially if it's a, like a different industry. But um, mm -hmm. I do think that I, if I can spend a lot of time with somebody um, or get to know their products really, really or services really, really well, um, and understand their brand and if it, you know, it aligns, our values align, um, you know, I'd love to work with them. Uh, I think somebody I'd really like to work with is another podcast, actually, uh, The Art of Charm. Those guys, they're in a different kind of sector where they're um, not necessarily in the fitness realm, but they do help people build, you know, communication skills and relationships and um, kind of get over their own fear and get out of their own way. And I think you know, even though that's kind of a different industry, I, I really love that message of, you know, being able to kind of be your best self and help people in that way. So um, that's sort of what I look with is definitely a values alignment. And then if our way of kind of connecting with people is the same. Got it. You, we see that more and more with the, the startups coming out, uh, more and more people making sure that the work they do aligns with their values and the values of their customers. I appreciate that perspective. Um, yeah. Recently, uh, you spoke at the NFL Players Association event about tech startups and financing from an athlete's perspective. How did that opportunity come about for you? You know, it's not often a bunch of football players get together and ask rugby players to come in and share their events because, you know, we all know rugby players are tougher. <laughs> yeah, they, they should ask the rugby players a little more. Um, no, it was a great event. I mean, I feel very honored to have even, you know, been a part of it. Um, I I am currently a player representative on the USA Rugby Players Association. Um, so as a part of that, um, we they reached out to us. So they're, we're kind of only in our second year of operation as a players association as well. So the NFLPA serves as sort of kind of a mentor parent organization for us to help mm. us get, you know, get on our feet and generate things like bargain agreements and licensing and stuff. 
group and asked if any of us would like to speak in regards to startups or investing. And I would quick put my hand up and obviously given my background. And I I was happy to, to be there. And I, outside of, you know, my own personal interest, I think it's valuable to learn and absorb what kind of the best of any business is doing, but especially, you know, being part of a players association. And clearly the NFL is a massive organization. And from what I've seen, their players association is really dedicated and well-versed in, in player welfare. And I'm a really big believer in that. So um, especially as, you know, both football and rugby are two sports that involve a ton of heavy collisions. So I think they they have a lot to share with us. And, um, you know, I think rugby as uh, an emerging sport and a little bit of a different game has, you know, a lot of value to provide to the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was really happy to be there. And rugby is a completely different sport than football, obviously. Um, and I'm hope very hopeful that Americans are starting to catch on to how you know, exciting it can be, um, and, you know, get their kids involved in it because it's, I, I fell in love with it when I, and it took me 18 years to find it. So, um, but yeah, I was really happy to be involved in that. Absolutely. And just for the audience, the event I'm referencing is the week of the Super Bowl, the NFL Players Association put on an event where they had 10 companies come and pitch their ideas in the hopes of getting some investing from the NFL Players Association in which they do investing in the form of licensing agreements. Uh, while they were there, they had several guest speakers, and Kimber happened to be one of them. And so, you know, staying on this topic of startups and technology, what role do you see the advancement in technologies and startups playing in the worlds of rugby, coaching, or strength and conditioning? Yeah, so this is one of the areas that I'm, I'm really excited about because it kind of integrates everything I do with, you know, digital media, um, using technology, being a strength coach, um, sports, all of that. Um, and I think that, you know, as fitness and wearable technology kind of grows, uh, you know, nearly everybody has some sort of band or watch or something that tracks their steps and heartbeat. Um, I think there are endless ways for athletes to get involved in technology, um, especially because, you know, people might not think of athletes and technology necessarily in the same vein as we're not sitting behind a computer all day, um, you know, typing away, but we have such an intimate um, relationship with technology um, in that, you know, rather than an app to order, you know, our groceries or something, we have an app or a GPS system that, you know, prevents us from tearing a hamstring or something, or, you know, maximizes our recovery. So it's, it's really critical to our welfare. Um, I know when we're in camp, at least um, coaches and um, staff monitors, you know, how many meters we run to, you know, push us further or more likely actually pull us back when we've done too much. And it's, it's a game changer for athletes as it grows. Um, I remember at the NFL pitch day, there was a company who was, you know, I can't remember the name right now, but the marketing uh, sort of like spandex that, gave you immediate feedback to your kind of muscle motion for sort of like an EMG that you used to have only access to in the lab. So I think the, as athletes get more and more and more um, integrated with technology and literally measuring you and your body as sort of the product um, for sport, um, I think it's something that we can really uh, – 
get involved in. And like I mentioned earlier, athletes especially are um, really good at getting involved in things that um, mean a lot to them or they can connect to. And I think technology is a good space for that, especially as sports are um, usually feature such as diverse group of people. You know, it's one of the most unifying things I've ever been a part of. And you're going to find an athlete that does something, whether it's, you know, a parent who needs a piece of technology to help raise their kids or, you know, a video game that someone likes or, you know, technology to help kind of um, athletes with disabilities, you know, perform in their sport, whatever it is. I think there's just a broad range of uses for, for tech and for any, you know, any startup that's in kind of that realm. I guarantee you there's some athlete somewhere that, you know, will have a personal connection to it. So, I, and again, like I said, uh, athletes really like to get involved in things and, and uh, take things to the next level and are really dedicated humans. So, I mean, I think, you know, it's a perfect partnership for any startup to, you know, work with an athlete. That's a great perspective. And all you startups out there, when you think about athletes to work with, don't you think about the Kevin Durant and LeBron James in the world. There are amazing individuals in all these different sports, just like Kimber, who, like she said, is very dedicated to causes that matter to them, where they can always they can help you move the needle forward in a very meaningful way. But before we get out of here, my last question for you is, you know, we talked about you as an entrepreneur, and we talked about how athletes can connect to tech and you know, you're getting involved with some of the startup stuff. Where do you see yourself getting more involved in the technology or product or startup side of the world? Um, I think for me, um, there, the whole uh, recovery monitoring for me is, is a really big point. Um, not necessarily just, you know, physical recovery, but mental recovery. Um, we live in a day and age where everyone is constantly on, on their phone, you know, on social media, at work, whatever it is, at the gym, constantly going, 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 um, and being able to utilize technology to sort of track those, those measurements or the statistics as you would um, on the field and bring that again, again, like bringing sport out to the real world. Um, I'd love to, you know, at some point invest in a company like that because I think that provides, and it, it will provide an immense value to to what I do, but also just an immense value to, you know, everyone in the world and helping us kind of take take a step back and you know stay in the moment and um, be really self aware of you know what we're doing and living our lives you know kind of on purpose as opposed to just running the rat race. Um, so I think that's kind of an area that I see myself really wanting to get involved in is whether it's wearable stuff an app or, um, you know, some kind of game or something that just gets people um, in that sort of mindset of, you know, paying attention to what they're doing and, you know, being more intentional with their lives. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd love to invest in one of those companies at some point, um, you know, once I age out of, you know, playing and kind of get a better focus on investment. Awesome. Oh, well, Kimber, thank you so much for your time today. I truly, truly appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. I love talking to you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Make sure you check out our website, 
at getfoundgetfunded.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Make sure you check out check us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, listen every month and don't miss an episode. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>